Welcome back to This Week in Film. It's the weekly podcast where we get together to discuss the movies we saw over the past seven days or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Nick Panotto, joined as always by Charlie Chester. Hey, what's going on, man? Um, Ray? <laughs> where? There's no Ray here right now. Ray isn't here now. Yeah. No Ray. Just the two of us. Today. No Tony. No Keith. Yep. Just two Just dudes. Two dudes. Yep. Sitting in our studio. Alone. Um, yeah, Ray will be back in like two weeks, I think. I think so. You're if you right. tune in just for Ray, and yeah, you're in for a disappointment. All the Rainiacs. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're in a tight, confined space. I gotta ask, uh, Nick, did you uh, just spray some cologne right before you got into the in here? It smells pretty good in here right now. I'm not gonna say no. Oh, all right, all right, it smells I mean, nice. You know, you're gonna be this close to somebody, yeah. Oh, it. I spilled some of my cologne on you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So I'll go first this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week, I watched the movie uh, Steven Spielberg directed. <clears throat> excuse me. Steven Spielberg directed mm-hmm. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Oh, wow. You went, you went back. I went back a little bit. All right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was actually uh, a little strange how we came to the came to it. Uh, my wife and I sat down to watch a movie, and we were going to watch San Andreas, the okay. the rock uh, saving Los Angeles from earthquakes. Yeah. And somehow we both didn't want to watch that, but we both wanted to watch Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Did they? I remember saying, why don't we just watch Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom? My wife says, I, I would love to watch that movie. Oh, yeah. She she loves mid-80s Harrison Ford. Well, the, that's a good woman right there. Yeah. She's the best. So, uh, <laughs> so, so let me ask: Does it hold up? Did you enjoy it? Like, what's the deal? Uh, you know, I hadn't seen. Well, I see it. I have seen Temple of Doom like probably once a year for forever, and mm-hmm. I guess because of the show that we do called This Week in Film Podcast, the weekly podcast where we, you know, it's funny, right. and um, uh, I guess I was looking at it with a more critical eye this week, where I was just paying extra close attention because normally when it's on. Uh, it's just a movie that I have on in the background while I'm doing other things. Oh, okay. I hope our show doesn't start ruining your favorite movies, dude. N- uh, no. No, I don't think that's possible. Okay. Most people know that uh, Temple of Doom is a prequel to all the other Indiana Jones movies. It takes place in 1935, like mm-hmm. a few years before uh, Raiders, which I think takes place in 39 after the Nazis start all their nonsense. You no, know, that makes total sense. I never put the together you didn't know that no i can't remember the last time i watched temple of doom i think i was a kid when I oh saw yeah the temple of doom's a, hey temple of doom's a prequel yeah well you just dropped some knowledge on me that's and pretty um cool. I didn't one of the things that that really stood out about it is how different of a character indiana jones is from raiders and temple of doom um one of the things that that George Lucas always talks about while they're while about the making of the movie is that he was in a really dark place at the time. Uh, I guess he was going through a divorce with his wife, and he was just him. He and Steven Spielberg were on like this dark path. Like I guess they had done or Spielberg had done Poltergeist, and you know he was just going down that kind of road where he's like, let's let's, let's go darker, let's go darker. Yeah, yeah. And at the same time, George Lucas is going through his personal issues, and he's like, oh yeah, I got the the best thing. We we got guys getting their hearts ripped out of their chest, <laughs> you know, and, and um, 
but one of the things, like I was saying, that that stood out is how immature Indiana Jones's character is. Right. Um, for instance, the the he's much more of a womanizer in this movie mm-hmm. um, with the Kate Capshaw character. Okay. Uh, I can't remember her name. Willie. Willie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, One-eyed Willie. Uh, for instance, he he's he's very flirtatious. Like the minute mm-hmm. you know, he's 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 all about her from the word go. Whereas by the time you get to Raiders of the Lost Ark, he's like more grizzled, more world. I don't want to say world weary, but more world worn. Where he's just kind of, it's just another girl, and it's a girl I used to date with the Marion Ravenwood character. Okay. Um, and and also with this movie, he's more. Uh, like one of the themes of Indiana of Temple of Doom is uh, fortune and glory, where where he's on this adventure for the glory. Like he wants the credit. He's he's a world renowned archaeologist. Like people know him in mm-hmm. the middle of India. They yeah. know who Indiana Jones is. Oh, the famous archaeologist, and and that's why he goes on this mission. Partly to to rescue slave children. Um, but two, to find these stones that he knows are worth a lot of money and uh-huh. he could get a lot of credit for finding them. He Whereas, still wants to put them in a museum, right? That's still always his agenda? I, I believe it, it, he would rather sell them to a museum. Oh, Because okay. he wants the fortune and the glory. Oh, all right, all right. Which yeah. is what he says often throughout the movie. That's one of the running themes is just, and they, and they say it tons of times, is fortune and glory. Mm-hmm. Fortune and glory. That's my Harrison Ford. It's terrible. <laughs> And um, it's just it's a it's a really dark movie, and the tone is all over the place. And don't get me wrong, I love Temple of Doom, but I think if it was made today, it it might. I th- I think the things that save the movie are one the practical effects in the mm-hmm. movie, mm-hmm. Uh, like the the use of the miniatures, and you know the uh, just just clever filmmaking techniques. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which, which I have to admit exists, um, is a terrible movie that is covered in bad CGI. Whereas, whereas while we were watching Temple of Doom, I was wondering if they had done a lot of the effects in Crystal Skull practically, Mm -hmm. would, would you give it more leeway? I yes. Like, would you give it? Absolutely, I would. Would you give it more room for for the adventure? And, and I mean, like, I mean, you let the terrible, like, the Crystal Skull is a terrible story, but, but like, if if the effects were practical and and the environments that they were in were real, yeah, um, it would feel more like an actual adventure and not just another green screen journey. Right. No, absolutely. I completely agree with that. Which I wonder now if um, with the new Indiana Jones that they have on deck, has The Force Awakens um, maybe like a, like awoken something in like Spielberg mm-hmm. and those guys to say, hey, we should be going back a little bit and doing it this way mm-hmm. as opposed to, um, you know, moving forward with better CGI Right. people back what they miss yeah pull but, back yeah but then again you see something like bfg coming out right with that looks Spielberg. really bad the cg it's all cgi yeah except for the girl right yeah and i don't yeah, think it so, looks i mean i've read the book but I, I couldn't i couldn't tell you anything about it other than there's a giant but right it doesn't look very it looks like a 
cartoon with a real person in it, but yeah, but I'm, not on purpose. So that uh, that just seeing that is like now I don't know. I don't know if what they what, what was do. What was the last adventure movie Spielberg made? Like straight up adventure? Yeah. Um well, I mean he he was he heavily produced um Super 8, which was supposed to be very Spielbergian, but that was Abrams that was and that story yeah. was you know that uh, that went off the deep end at one point. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. As I far liked as adventure, Super Eight, but I've never wanted to watch it again. No, I. I the first half, well, after the train, I, it it derails for uh. me. Uh. <laughs> we both just fell off the cliff. Speaking uh, of trains crashing, uh, God. Um, so yeah, I, I'm gonna. But is uh, looking, but I'm gonna try and yeah. cover up the space of your silence <laughs> with clever and witty dialogue that will later be used to propel our conversation forward about Indiana Jones and its filmmakers. Right, right. Um, the last adventure film uh, that he did was The Adventures of Tintin. Which is cartoon. It's another cartoon, yeah. Uh, good war- movie, though, if you haven't seen it. It's definitely yeah, it's worth fun. watching. It's fun. Um, I mean, and then before that, uh, you got, like, The Terminal, you got Munich, you got War of the Worlds. Munich got, was excellent. I, I War feel of like, the Worlds was terrible. Yeah, Munich Munich was good. I at, uh, Terminal was, you know, fun. Terminal was terrible. Uh, I hated the terminal. For me, the last classic Spielberg film then is Minority Report. I didn't like Minority. You didn't? <laughs> no. You're the only person I know that didn't like it. No, I I like some I like I like the themes in the movie, but like the actual the actual movie itself I didn't like. Right. One thing I really liked about Minority Report was how the the future look of the world mm-hmm. uh matched the AI movie. Uh-huh. Um, like the 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 future cars were. It looked like the the same same design, the same kind of designs. Yeah. Like this this future world exists in parallel with this future world, and I thought that was a neat uh, use of world building. Well, that's the, cool. That's cool. I didn't realize. Um, but Minority Report, uh, I think I would like to see it again in more modern times. What with all of the technological advancements of our age mm. <sighs> and um, and see if I have a different opinion of it and because everyone says they loved Minority Report but I just didn't like it I thought it sucked um, it's been a while I gotta revisit it uh, but yeah there was that and then Catch Me If You Can would you consider that an adventure? Yeah, that was, that was a great movie. I love yeah. it. So maybe yeah. that's the last great adventure he did. He goes all over the world in that movie and it feels like you go all over the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but like I, as far as like Spielberg family adventure, the things that we grew up with, the things that like became Spielbergian, uh-huh. like, you know, that word came from, yeah. he, he, if you really think about it, it's been years since he's done yeah. it. Well, I mean, he's an old man now. I think he's probably pushing 70 if he's not past it already. Um, he, you know, it's, it's like... George Lucas syndrome, except Spielberg still has a passion for filmmaking. Right. You know, like, I mean, you get to a certain point where you don't want to run around anymore. You just, you know, want to film some dialogue, you know? Yeah. In a creative way. Well, which you know. Which is why, like, the idea of a George Lucas-less Indiana Jones 5 with Spielberg and Harrison Ford is tempting. Mm-hmm. The both are out. Both are out. You know, it's it's over for them. They should let it go. 
Yeah, I almost feel like at that point you got to bring in a third party that remember, like just to keep reminding them like, no, this is what we loved. You got to keep this. You know what I mean? Because at this point it's out of their system. Like, like as artists, yeah. you go through phases and that phase is over for them. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta know when to hang it up. Right. I think. And Harrison Ford, as long as people keep giving him money, he'll keep making action movies and, sure. and they just don't make any money anymore. So they'll stop soon. And it's, it sucks now. It's just, as Apollo Creed says, it's a shame we got to get old. <laughs> you know, it's because oh. Harrison Ford when, and Harrison Ford is straight ripped in Temple of Doom. Is he? Yeah. yeah. Um, that scene where they're crossing the rope bridge and he's got the sword and they're coming at him from both sides. That dude is straight ripped. Is he really? Yeah. And he's. Oh, here's the other thing. I never noticed about her, uh, Indiana Jones costume, but he wears old man pants. Well, like hiked up high? Like hiked up high, but also like real baggy old man pants. Oh, like not form-fitting, not, you know, yeah, not showing no off the way. package. Like, like it goes waist to to ankle. Huh. It, it, it was really, it was weird when you saw it. Because anytime you see anyone try to do a Indiana Jones costume, mm -hmm. you know, it's always like the shirt and the hat and the jacket. Right. But there's something off about everyone's costume. It's the pants. Right. You got to wear old man pants. Well, I guess when you're that good looking, it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. That's how you, that's Indiana, people don't Harrison remember. Ford can pull anything off. Hmm. Um, so uh, from what I remember from Temple of Doom, mm -hmm. some th like there was three of the most iconic film scenes of all time. There's the, the sand in the bag. No, that is, that's Raiders. That's Raiders? When yeah. He, when he, with the, the statue? With the idol, yeah. Oh. Oh. And then Raiders has got the big boulder. Yep. Oh, shit. So, all right. So then the other one is uh, ripping the heart out. Yep. Okay. Um, that whole bit with the bridge, that whole scene is pretty pretty iconic. And then monkey brains. Yeah. Monkey brains. Is even monkey like, brain. That stood out to me as a kid. monkey brains. Yeah. That was huge. Yeah. For and me. the snake surprise and the yeah. bug. Um, I, remember, I remember loving loving all that when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, uh, and then I guess the whole bit with the mining car, right? Am I right yeah. about that? Like yep. when they're racing in the mining car or whatnot? Mm -hmm. Um, it's a great sequence. Yeah. It was great to watch that. It's very, it's very exciting and feels very real. Yeah, I did. I, I love that stuff. You really can't tell when you're watching, you can when you're looking for it, but like when you're watching it just as a viewer, you can't tell when it goes from a miniature to like real life, right. except for a couple of like dated looking special effects, but you, you let them go, you know, yeah. you don't, you don't hold it against it. Um, one of the things that I really liked about the movie is, is the movie starts out with this dance and musical sequence where Cape Capshaw sings, uh, sings a song called anything goes. That's what it is. Um, she's, what, she's performing in a bar? She, like, works at the bar now or something? Yeah, she works at the club Obi-Wan in Shanghai, which is where the movie starts. Oh, okay. And she does, like, this song and dance. Um, what, what, really, what, my, what we noticed, my wife pointed it out, is, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, is it's all white people doing this song and dance mm -hmm. in this Chinese club. Okay. And they're dressed... And make up like Asian women. It is really weird, and huh. I never noticed it before this time. And and my wife pointed it out, and we're like, "Oh, they 
are all they're all white girls wearing wigs with Chinese Asian makeup. That's a strange choice. It was a strange choice, but then the rest of the scene is all murder and mayhem, which is great. Oh, okay. Uh, um, and a lot of goofy cameos in the whole op- like Dan Aykroyd is in it for one one line. George really? Lucas shows up for like half a frame. Oh, a lot of weird I cameos. Know, I had no idea. I'm going to have to it's, rewatch this now. It's a movie that feels like, I guess the it, it feels like it should have been the third Indiana Jones movie they made because they make so many crazy wild decisions uh-huh. that go completely against it is it is in no way a sequel and and the only way that it's a sequel are a couple of the of the gags uh-huh um like you know in Raiders of Lost Ark where the dude's swinging the sword and then Indy shoots him right they they call that back in 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 Temple of Doom um, where Indy reaches for his gun, but it's not there, and he's like, uh-huh. "Remember when I had a gun?" You know, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Um, and that and that's like a little wink to the audience, but it's really well done. But for the most part, everything else in the movie, other than him going on an, a crazy adventure, is fresh and new. Okay. Whereas when you get to Last Crusade, they they go back to um, like Bible lore and fighting the Nazis and things mm-hmm. like that, and it works perfectly. It works perfectly, but Temple of Doom is is really a, a, a great prequel because it it sets up this character, and then if you were if you had never seen Raiders and you watched Raiders afterwards, you would have seen the growth of this character into like a more grizzled, more like I was saying earlier, more world aware guy. Huh? Maybe maybe I gotta watch yeah Temple first, then Raiders, then Crusade. Yeah. You know, maybe that's the right order to do it. Yeah, try it out. Um, What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> uh, I, to this day, still, Crusade is like one of my favorite movies of all time. It doesn't feel oh, like yeah. a sequel doesn't or anything. Like, it's, it's, just, a, it's a total standalone. Yeah, it's awesome. Which is one of the reasons why Crystal Skull fails is it's completely a sequel. It can't exist on it, its own. It cannot exist on its own. Can Temple exist on its own? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I think it would because the, the character of Indiana Jones is so not completely different, but so different. And there are no other recurring characters in the movie. Okay. The only character who shows up more than once is Indiana, is Indiana Jones. So, so Marcus Brody the... character is not in it. And so it's all three movies are standalones then until you get the crusade. I mean, till uh, Crystal Skull. Maybe yeah, that's a major problem. Well, Crusade, you 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 know what you're getting into, like you know. But if you had never seen an Indiana Jones movie and you watch Crusade, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right because they don't they start off that movie with him on the ship, right? Uh, it starts off with young Indiana Jones, River Phoenix, going on the adventure. Right. Okay. Uh, so with like, per- the yeah, Boy perfect. Scouts or something. So with that, you realize he's got a past of history and mm-hmm. all this stuff. So it's it's not taken for granted these other movies. It's a stand. It's like, okay, we want you to know who this character is and understand that he's got a past and whatnot. So it's its own. Each yeah. one of these is its own entity in yeah. its own way, which is which is a pretty brilliant way of going about making sequels. Now I don't remember the Young Indiana Jones Adventure TV show, but I don't know if the, each one of those is a standalone movie. I I would doubt it because I, no I one has too. seen them. Now, River Phoenix plays the young Indiana Jones in the 
in the movie. Now, but that's a different actor in the TV show, right? Yeah, River Phoenix. The guy in the TV show is one of the dudes from Boondock Saints. Oh, really? Yeah, not not the guy from The Walking Dead, but the other guy. Sean Sean Patrick Flaherty. Yeah, the guy that, that doesn't have a career except for Boondock Saints sequels at this point. They've only made one terrible sequel. Yeah, I think there's another one on the way. Uh, that was so bad. Mm. It was so bad. First movie's so great, and second movie's so bad. Well, Charlie, that's how we end a segment. <laughs> what did you see this week? I think uh, this actually works pretty well, um, talking about sequels and whatnot, because I watch Independence Day 2, this past week, what? uh, what's the the um, the subtitle to it? Uh, Retaliation is it resurgence? Oh yeah, that's it. Resurgence. Yeah. You're um, right. So, uh, I'm I have to go into spoilers for this. So, yeah, I would say if um, you really want to see this movie and you don't want you know anything um, spoiled. ruined, spoiled for you, then I would say yeah, you might want to stop listening. Um, so, uh, this movie, um, cannot exist without Independence Day 1. Uh-huh. And it goes into the whole, uh, theory of like, you know, a, a sequel's got to be bigger, um, better special effects. Uh, if you have one villain, now you need two villains, you know, sort of thing. Uh, really? Like, it's got to, it, it, you got to one up the original, um, and for me, that's the, those are terrible sequels. Those are the sequels that I don't like. Mm-hmm. That's, that isn't what I want. I don't yeah. want to see that. I want like Indiana Jones. I want, I want that as a sequel. So, um, so for this yeah, one, you can have an equally strong villain in each movie. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to go town, city, state, world for all your sequels. Right. I, I wish I, at some point that worked for them. You know, for Hollywood, they, you know, because they have some formula out there that says this is going to make more money if we do this. I wish at some point they would just start listening to the public and, and stop doing this because it's yeah. it doesn't work for me at all. Uh, and I, the, the Spider-Man movies are a perfect example. Right. Every movie needs a new villain and more of them. Right. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so this movie um, takes place... 20 years later, because the first one, it was 96, so they're very aware of the release date of the film, and it takes place in present time in 96. Mm -hmm. So 20 years later now um, is when this movie comes out. Uh, This movie comes out, and, and, you know, the events happen again. So uh, essentially, in this one, you get... um, You know, most of the characters are back. You have the uh, Bill... Paxton Pullman. Pullman. Damn it. Strike one. Yeah, always do that. Uh, Bill Pullman is, you know, the grizzled old. Um, uh, he was the president, president in the first one. Yes. He's, so he's, you know, obviously he's not standing president anymore. He's retired. But uh, so he's very disheveled. Um, he's suffered over the years. He keeps having visions of like this thing happening again. Right. Um, and you keep, you make it seem like he's strangely like you know uh, like a, suffering from a dementia but he's got like these visuals that he draws and whatnot like as if something was implanted in him 
you know. Um, but he never had any contact. With exactly, aliens. and that's 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 a major problem there. And then you you start like uh, this resurfaces in some of these other characters. Resurges. It resurges is with these other characters as if like they were given some sort of a special um, message, you know. Uh, by these aliens somehow, which does it just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's grasping at straws at best. So uh, you have him. Uh, you, um, so it's like a movie where all the characters are like are very important people. Like they're not right. just bystanders. Oh no, everyone I mean, has to, has a purpose. The ones that come like back, a like a greater purpose. Right. They they're they're like um, almost like the semigods in this world because they were the ones that like saved the world in the past and right. not only on top of that so they've been gosh. bestowed the, these this this message or whatever so that you also have um what's his name um Come in. Goldblum Jeff Goldblum <laughs> oh, sorry <laughs> Jeff Goldblum yeah uh who doesn't have the messages but he's like one of the most well-respected scientists in the world now like everyone comes to him for anything that has to do with alien technology the one cool thing right I will he, admit he wrote one computer virus with Windows 95 and right. uploaded that, it, it to... essentially he was the, just in the perfect place at the perfect time helped save everybody but now he is the the uh the go-to guy which doesn't make any sense but the one cool I thing I don't I don't see why it doesn't make any sense. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Okay, well, have you seen Windows ninety five? <laughs> so they do one thing right here. Uh-huh. They take all the technology that the aliens had, um, and so now we're in a world that has jumped leaps and bounds ahead in technology. We have flying cars now. Mm-hmm. Uh, our our weapons are like state of the art. We have a moon station. Uh, with defenses on it in case aliens do come back. So we've stolen all of their technology and what if the aliens come from the side of the planet that the moon's not on? They didn't they didn't think of that. This is why it happens in the movie. This is why I'm yeah. this is why I make the big bucks. You uh you shoot these holes in this stuff. Yeah. They need you need to be in focus groups, man. Um so uh so they do that right. In but, focus group is the name of my <laughs> film company. So so that's very clever. Yeah, it is pretty clever. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'll give you that. So, uh, so, so essentially, um, I like the double take. <laughs> you couldn't see my double take. I doubled it. Um, Will Smith's character uh, died. They don't really talk about like what killed him or whatever. But mm-hmm. now the mantle's passed on to his son, who's a, a, fi- a jet fighter as well, and he's just granted essentially this huge title in in the new regimes of like you know fighter jets like you know they have new um uh a, a new approach to war and whatnot it's not the old school way of doing it um you have essentially have this elite force that is like you know the alien you know watch group or whatever and right. this guy is like the head of them just because who his father was so it, it really Makes doesn't sense. make any That's sense how america works yeah okay so all right Okay, so yeah. that's how that's how the military works. If your dad was an important general, mm-hmm. you get to be general. All right, you well, just don't understand the military. No, I don't. I don't. I'm you drop a lot of knowledge on me right now. Yeah. Um, and then you have is it Chris Hemsworth? Who's the younger brother? Thor's brother. Thor's younger brother. Yep, Hemsworth. Little Thor. He plays one of the the main characters in this. Who's also um, a jet fighter. Liam. 
Liam Hemsworth? Yeah. Okay. So uh, that just sounds handsome, that name, you know? Yeah. Uh, he has no charm <laughs> whatsoever in this. Like, he can't carry it. And they, they want him to carry it. And they want the other guy who plays Will Smith's son to carry it. He can't carry it. So no one's essentially carrying this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and at this point, when you realize that you got no one you really want to follow, that's when the aliens come back. And they come huge. Like, they essentially come in a spaceship that is as large as the entire Atlantic Ocean. That's dumb. Yeah. That's too and it, big. And it just... Where are you going to park it? Starts picking... It's got its own gravity and it starts picking up whole cities and dropping them. So the mayhem is huge, right? Mm-hmm. So in, But instead of them just taking over at that point, because right. we got nothing against this. Absolutely yeah. not. It's a world destroyer, this thing. Um, they just hang out for a little bit. And give us just enough time to start regrouping and start formulating a plan, which doesn't make any sense. Well, Charlie, again, you don't understand the military. I, that's classic war. That's that's alien It's war. called playing fair. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they give us just enough time to get our S together to start formulating a plan um, on how to defeat them. Um, and then uh, the writers decided, like, this isn't enough. We need something more. We need another element to the story. So right now in my head, I'm picturing a scene where it's like uh, the movie adaptation where Charlie Kaufman is arguing with himself about what the next scene in the movie should be. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Ex- exactly. They're. I imagine like the writers are like, okay, uh, we got to be smart about this. We got to right. do something different here. Right. Like it. In the middle of the movie, it just cuts to these five guys sitting in a room with with the wall blown off of it. <laughs> so, so I I want to see that movie. That, yeah, that that's, sounds great. That's great. That, that's you know that's your focus group came up with it. Um, in, in focus group Ltd. So, their idea was here. Um, let's have another alien race um, come to Earth. Uh, and they've been there for a little bit, and they were there. Uh, uh, the aliens that came to attack us originally from Independence Day 1 uh-huh. have been on a hunt for this alien race because there's the only alien race that has the secrets to destroy them. Uh. So we are trying to protect this alien race now to garner the, the information that they have to retaliate and uh, destroy these aliens that have, you know, uh, have come. It's Wait, the only reason the aliens from the first Independence Day came was to destroy these other aliens. No, they wanted to destroy our, you know, they wanted to take over our planet. They wanted to harness the ore, our the metallic center of our the hot lava, whatever, whatever it is, whatever the ore, uh, the the core we of want our planet your hot is. Hot lava. Yeah, they wanted our hot lava, which is. The, <laughs> <laughs> Which is disgusting. Um, so they... Uh, this lava has cooled. That that existed, you know, that happened, that was whatever. But in this movie, um, they, they just take it to another level and say, oh, there's another alien race. Um, not only do we want to take the uh, the core of your planet, but we also want this this alien race. we got to destroy them so that nobody can ever go against us ever again. It's just an extra element. It, it doesn't add anything really... It's it's not good enough, and essentially, uh, like we protect them, um, and 
also, you know, we destroy, obviously, we, the earth doesn't get destroyed. We, <gasps> we triumph. We have to triumph. All right. And they set it up. I did it. So that, and this is like the silliest thing to me, is that they set it up so that this alien race um, says to us, we've been harboring uh, warriors from every civilization that this alien menace has been destroying over time. Wait, which alien saying that? Uh, the new aliens. New aliens. The good saying? aliens are saying it. And they said, we've got like this entire planet full of um, badass fighters, oh, right? God. We want you to come in and lead us. Uh. And that's how it ends. And it's essentially saying, uh, we're it, Independence Day 3 is going to be about us going there and creating a resistance, creating a ragtag team of and going after like wherever these bad aliens originated from. We're going after them now, we're bringing the fight to them, you know. And I'm like, oh my god, I don't want this movie ever to exist. Oh, did you ever hear about the original plot for Jurassic Park 4? No. You should look it up because it got so far as they'd started doing pre-production on it. Okay. Where the plot of the movie was they start making half-humid, half-dinosaur hybrids whose sole purpose is to fight terrorism. Oh, my God. Is it like centaurs? Is it like kind a of. man like they're like, top they're and, like a, and a raptor bottom? like man faces. Okay. They're, they're, they're like pre-viz stuff out there that everyone should look at because this movie this one this movie almost happened and two we didn't get this movie because <laughs> because it's not right that we don't have this movie I, yeah i feel like but also thank god this movie doesn't exist but you can see like some of those themes echoed in the latest jurassic world where like chris pratt can communicate with his dino, right. his raptor buddies right 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 um because that was the the thing in the original Jurassic Park 4 was that the raptors raptor men fight terrorism under the, with the military yeah that's what it feels like you're describing to me is that the the people they have no idea what to do so man will lead this thing that it doesn't understand right into a battle that it doesn't belong in. And let's be honest, like at this point, we've accidentally beaten these aliens every time. They're so much more advanced than us. If we've stolen their technology, how mm -hmm. are they going to let us use their technology against them? Yeah. You know, like they're going to know it way better than we would. Now, clearly I haven't seen Independence Day resurgence. Right. But one of the things that really works in the first one, besides the all the actors in the movie, whether their performances are ridiculous and over the top, everything about the first movie works. Oh, it's, it's, it's great. It's an awful movie, but it works yeah. in every way. And, but one of the things about the movie is it is basically war of the worlds. It's the story from war of the worlds. Right. And almost like almost beat for beat. And, like the the joke about the Windows ninety five virus defeating them is is the analogy for what destroyed the aliens, but the common cold, right, right, a right. virus, you know. So like <laughs> yeah. they infected the aliens with a computer virus, mm -hmm. 
This movie just sounds like um, alien fight. Go right, right. I, like, I, I haven't mean, seen I haven't seen Battle Los Angeles yet. Um, I've, I've it's been like on my list to watch, but this sounds just like that. Yeah, I mean, in this one, um, but without the charming Aaron Eckhart. So uh, you come to find that there is an uh, a mother. Uh, alien, like a bee, like in, in like a beehive, the queen, right? Mm-hmm. So, she is hell bent on getting this new alien, the good alien. So she leaves the ship after the ship's been destroyed, and she's got her own protective, um, invisible field around her. Okay, and they, uh, she's running after Jeff Goldblum and all those guys, like physically, and this, and she is a, in true sequel fashion she's got to be the biggest alien you've ever seen physically the biggest alien and they ruin their own science here and their physics and they basically take out her invisible shield just by shooting at it a lot yeah. you know what i mean like it's instead of <laughs> they just like keep shooting they just get, and then it just it, they destroy it like and that like that goes against everything that they've set up it just doesn't make any sense you know whatsoever it there's a, there's so many holes in this thing and um you know there's some like stupid jokes about like they go after the monuments first and it's just not set up properly Right. Um, it's just a, like a quick thing that they throw away. I did read one article that I found interesting. Apparently one Roland Emmerich rolled this thing out. Spielberg had said at the time, he's like, your movie is going to be the most, um, mimicked film for the next 20 years. Yeah. Which makes a lot of sense because after that you get these blockbuster films that are just destruction films things are yeah. being destroyed and yeah, you didn't kind have of started that, before. that whole um disaster film right and roland emmerich go, goes on to say that like he you know i mean very cocky fashion he goes on to say like the marvel films and whatnot to this day probably wouldn't exist as they were unless we set the bar this high of destroying everything so like you know like these major destruction scenes and whatnot you know might not uh, might not have been as big now, you know, um, because of we destroyed all well, these monuments. I think independent. The first Independence Day was a movie that hit at just the right moment, and because it was just past, like, what was it, ninety six? You said, mm-hmm. which is a few years after Jurassic Park when CGI first became really used in movies right but before it became everything about a movie so the first independence day has a lot of cool special effects but like that iconic shot of the white house blowing up right like it's a computer generated laser but an actual an actual model of a building exploding right it's not the laser you remember it's the exploding building that was real Mm -hmm. and the trailer for this movie where you see all of london being thrown at itself you don't care. No. You know, you're just like, oh, okay. All right. And then Jeff Goldblum makes a funny joke about the monuments, you know, like right. you said. And, and you're like, uh, yeah, okay. But it, it feels so cold. Like there's no heart to it. Like at least the first Independence Day tried. Right. Like, like the actors were trying. Like Will Smith was great in it. Jeff right. Goldblum was great. Everybody played themselves and were perfect at it. Yeah. Whereas, like, I feel like in this one, 
just from the trailers, Jeff Goldblum looks like he's trying to play Jeff Goldblum. Mm-hmm. And Bill Pullman has on some weird voice. But the reason that you love Bill Pullman in the first one is because he gives that awesome speech. Right. And he's got the perfect voice. Like he, yeah. you know, like, like you don't quote, you don't quote the speech from Independence Day in a high pitched, like whiny voice. No. You know, you're like the American, you know, that's my Bill Pullman. Yeah. <laughs> the 4th of July will no longer be known as an American. You know, the 4th of July will, yeah. uh, you know. Yeah, I like mean, you, yeah, you, his, his delivery is amazing. And they don't echo that at all in here. I mean, do they physically echo that speech? Yes, like a dozen times. You you hear it played in the background somewhere for whatever reason. But in this one, there is no moment like that. Um, the writers of this don't know these characters enough to have fun with them. Um, yeah. And they accomplish something in the first one. Uh, you know, with you know, like the, the the special effects and like you know all these you know like really going over the top. You do like if, accomplish something again here. Don't just reiterate it bigger. Yeah, you know what I mean. And that it's sad. Yeah, you know, like you, they've fallen from grace, like big time. Yeah, no, that's the problem with the sequel. It's you know you feel like you have to go bigger or go home, and right. And in this case, I want based on box office revenue, they should have gone home because apparently it is not doing very well. Oh no, no. Well. Yeah, it's missing it's missing that star power. Something like this. If you're going to blockbuster film, you need star power. That's just I mean, that's just the basic formula. I was hoping they were hiding Will Smith in this movie. I, heard, he was pop I had out. heard it's so super I mean, spoiler, spoiler alert. To she is not in it. No, no. I, See, I like really I heard wanted there are some out. surprise cameos and I went, Oh man, is he actually in it? No, you know who the surprise camera cameos are? It's uh Vivica A. Fox. Vivica A. Fox. Is it really? Yes. Oh. And I was like I I'm like, okay, you're alive? Like it's it's irrelevant, you know, to this. Yeah. And the other one was um Jeff Goldblum's father from the original, who's got a major role Dude, in from this. From MASH, not Alan Alda. No, no, no. The no. other guy. Um, the other dude. I can't remember his name right now. But, yeah, like, uh, he's got a bigger role in this one than he Alan had in the Alda's first one. not even in MASH. Who am no. I thinking of? Uh, I don't know. The guy from Independence Day. That's who I'm thinking of. The father from Independence That's Day. It's a very funny joke. Yeah. Oh, um, I see what you did there. Yeah. You can't make... Also, you can't make an Independence Day movie without Will Smith. I know he was committed to making the right. Suicide Squad movie. But you waited twenty years. You can't wait six more months, yeah, for Will Smith to become available. Well, and also, who was uh, Robert uh, Harry Connick Jr. was in the first one too. Yeah, he dies it, though. Yeah, and Spoiler but but alert. like he was so charming, so that when he died, yeah. the you were like, and light the fire, yeah, man. Then, like you were di- really disappointed. Yeah, you know when he died. And this yeah. one, like, I I would have been okay with some of these people dying. Uh, Judd Hirsch. Judd Hirsch. He wasn't in MASH. He was in Taxi. Yeah. Not the guy from MASH or Alan Alda. Was Alan Alda in MASH? Yeah, I think he was in MASH. Um, And the the female love interest in this, who was the daughter of the president from the original one, like her character is grown up now. Uh, um, She's the one dating Liam Hemsworth. Yeah, she is best known for It Follows. She was the main girl in that. And um, while she's great and it follows, her delivery and draw is so bland, she just looks bored in this movie. Like, it, it just, it's uncomfortable to watch. And I don't, 
have like you don't get the the crush that you're supposed to get on the main character, like the girl, you know? Yeah. They don't they don't do that well here at all. What was the movie she was in? It follows that horror and, flick. And what follows this segment is our plug segment. Oh nice. Yeah, I had to go back to get to it. <laughs> uh Charlie, what have you to plug? Uh, Boy Zero, uh, my graphic novel, which is available in print and digital. Print, it's available on Amazon.com, and digitally you can find it on all digital platforms um, that offer up uh, digital books, including uh, iTunes and um, uh, drive through uh, Comics and Comicsology, Caliber Comics, uh, so on and so forth. Okay, and uh, I would like to give a shout out to the Podcast Radio Network, <laughs> podcastradionetwork.net. You'll find us on there on uh, 10.30 Wednesday nights. Uh, there's a special app for it called Crikey or Cry Cry. We're going to go with Crikey for now on. <laughs> special thanks to the Let's Talk Flicks guys for giving us a, a great intro to our show. This, it's a really funny show you should check out. But to uh, answer last week's Ray's Random Ray yeah, Quest... Okay. That's what people want. What Ray's question was, what is your favorite biopic? Mm -hmm. We had a lot of responses. Um, Judy, just want to make sure she hears her name. Mm -hmm. Judy says the movie Private Parts. And Jill says Private Parts as well. Oh, wow. Uh, super fan Dan said one of the Prefontaine movies. Oh, I didn't write it down. I thought I would remember. Name Prefontaine movies, Charlie. Uh, Fontaine. Nope. The other one, my uh, running something, <laughs> walking away. Is that what it is? Good lord, no, I don't know, dude. I don't like running movies. In fact, that's my least favorite genre of all movies. I don't, <laughs> I, don't I don't know names of them. Dan was a really big fan of hearing the Melon Heavy Women show last week. Oh, yeah, or the story. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, with just the two of us, this show was even longer than last yeah, week. Yeah, uh, Ray really like reels it in for us. Um, yeah. All right, so if you are listening to us on that podcast radio network and you want to know where to find us so you can listen to all our episodes, check us out on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music, YouTube, Stitcher, Facebook, Twitter, and as always, thisweekinfilmpodcast.com. Get in touch with us there where you can subscribe, rate, and review our show, and also participate in this week's Charlie's Crazy Conundrum. Oh, I, I wasn't expecting this. Um, what's your the worst sequel you've ever seen? Great Conundrum, Charlie. Yeah. Okay. So if that's the end of the reel, yeah. <laughs> we'll see you oh my God. next week in film. Goodbye.